Just like a muscle, here we will grow stronger for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. So please, brothers and sisters, join me here at Jacked for Jesus. Welcome back, brothers and sisters, to Jacked for Jesus. Um, I am the host, Andrew Kufal, and today we will be continuing the series, Warfare and Servitude. Um, so, I think most of you are familiar with what I'm doing, but I'll just go ahead and uh, summarize it. I just finished a series on fruits and promises, um, and stemming out of that, stemming out of a place of knowing the promises God has given us and allowing ourselves to rest in those promises and to hold firm to those promises um, that Jesus gives us, that God gives us, um, who um, Christians throughout time or Jews, Jews or Christians throughout time in the Bible that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit um, talk about. So uh, I finished that up and I think that covered a pretty good foundation of the kind of fruits a, a really solid Christian that has been walking in the Lord um, for a good and significant amount of time uh, will show and the promises that we operate from as Christians saying, why are we Christians? How can we be Christians? Um, what does that kind of mean? And I just uh, finished talking about that. But moving from that, I kind of want to talk about what it means to be a servant of Christ, what it means to be a servant for God, um, because that's kind of a question I'm chewing on right now. Um, and so in this series, I'm exploring, I'm exploring what that looks like, um, what aspects come with that, um, what kind of heart comes with that, all these kind of things about servitude uh, to God. But I also kind of want to juxtapose that a little bit and say, okay, as we're serving Christ, what kind of challenges will Satan try to will we'll put will put in our path? What kind of temptations will he give us? Um, and that's something I'm exploring a little bit more in this series. And this is the second day of that series. And the topic today is as servants, we are called to take our thoughts captive. And I'll dig into that a little bit more. We're called to take our thoughts captive. And that's kind of a thought, that's kind of an idea that's been really convicting to me right now. Um, so I really wanted to talk about it. And then kind of like the warfare aspect, the temptation aspect, is actually Satan challenging our identity. Um, and we can see that he did this with Jesus. Um, and other models in the, in the Bible also did this um, throughout Scripture. And it's not uncommon. Um, these kind of if statements about our our identity. So, um, yes, that is what we will be talking about today. With that in mind, I want to go ahead and pray to start us out. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time today. Um, I thank you for the opportunity and the resources. Um, thank you for allowing me to have your word, Lord, to be able to cherish it and to rejoice in it and just to love reading it. And, and I pray that you would give uh, myself and everybody listening um, a deeper understanding of what you what you are trying to tell us through your word, Lord. Help us not to help us not to just listen, but to understand, and help us understand by the Spirit, Lord. Help us um, receive what you are telling us and help us obey it, Lord. Um, not just to hear, but to obey, Lord. And thank you for all the brothers and sisters that are um, 
seeking you, Lord. Um, and I know a lot of us, Lord, as your children, have not been seeking you how we should. And I pray that we would repent of that um, and cast aside what is distracting us, Lord. Cast aside what is leading us to sin. Um, you say it's better to enter he- heaven with one hand instead of two, Lord. And I just think um, with that such extreme mindset, Lord, I pray that we would have that kind of mindset about our lives, about the things in our lives, and to help us be better stewards of what you've given us, um, and to serve you and glorify you better in our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, and our strength, Lord. Um, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done um, through your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we can um, do all of this, rest and assure that we are in your sheepfold and that you have taken care of us, Lord, that you continue to take care of us, and that we will be with you in heaven, Lord. I pray that if anybody, including myself, ever doubts that, you would just um, remind us of what you've taught us, Lord. And uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go ahead of me and before me in this time. Help uh, everybody listening to hear you and not myself, Lord. Um, We pray all of this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Okay, with that, um, I want to go ahead and just jump straight into Scripture. Uh, I want to start today in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, And this is a little bit of a shorter chapter, so I think I'm going to go ahead and read it all the way through. And then I have another quote from Ephesians 6 talking about the armor of God um, that I kind of want to dig into a little bit too. Um, So with that, let's go ahead and start at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul defends his ministry. I, Paul, myself entreat you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence, as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before you. Oh, I'm sorry. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightened. I do not want to be frightening you with my letters. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves, as though we did not teach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limits in the labor of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. 
Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. And that finishes up uh, chapter 10 of Second Chronicles. Uh, this is a really good chapter for a lot of reasons. Um, I, yeah, I just wanted to read this. Um, uh, first things first, because it's kind of the topic. Um, I want to look back at when um, uh, Paul says, let us take every thought captive to Christ. Um, this is so it's verse 5. I'm going to highlight it here. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience where your obedience is complete or when your obedience is complete. Um, and so looking at this, uh, there's a couple parts of this that stick out to me. The first part is that Paul is talking about being ready to destroy arguments and being ready to uh, like challenge lofty opinions against the knowledge of God. So this is kind of Paul. Uh, I, I was going to say apologizing. That doesn't sound right. Uh, we talk about apologetics as Christians now, um, showing the proof of God um, through scripture, through the accountability of scripture, um, through archaeology, through uh, science, through philosophy, um, through the theological argument. We have all sorts of ways of showing God's existence um, in our observable universe with our spiritual understanding that comes with being creatures of God. Um, being made in the image of God, I mean. Uh, and that's kind of what Paul's talking about. Now, of course, he might not have had some of the cases that we have for Christ and all these other things. But we, what he is saying is that as Christians, as servants of Christ, we should be ready to um, argue against people who are claiming that God isn't real, or that Jesus Christ isn't real, or that he didn't do what he said he did, and all these other things. He's saying that we should, he doesn't just say rebuke, he says we should destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And so, um, for what I understand, Paul takes this very, very seriously. Um, he takes proper understanding of the gospel very, very seriously as well. Um, that's why he rebukes Peter when he's kind of acting um, incongruently with the Jews versus the Gentiles. Um, and so it's very clear to us that Paul takes this very seriously. I think as Christians, we should be too. I don't think we should be the kind of Christians that um, hesitate to defend our faith. I think if we truly understand the gospel message, um, we should almost jump at the chance to show people the truth. Um, but we also have to be careful about how we approach that. And so right now I'm reading a book called um, Tactics by Greg Kokel. Uh, I'm not finished with it yet, but it's really, really good. It shows us how we can use questions instead of uh, statements to kind of steer a conversation with an unbeliever or with an agnostic or even other Christians who we think aren't quite understanding correctly. And he shows us how to use questions to come about that. Um, but however you approach the situation, I pray that we would do it um, with the character of Christ, so being gentle and, and meek and loving and gracious, but while still destroying the arguments and the, and the uh, false opinions about Christ. Um, and I would just encourage everyone to uh, 
look into that more, to look into, do the research about why you ourselves think Christ is real? Do we just believe Christ is real because that's how we were raised? Uh, do we believe he's real for some sort of um, emotional experience as, a, as an affect? Or do we believe in Christ because of um, probabilities or reason or logic? I think as Christians, we should um, believe in Christ and Jesus and the Lord in all of these ways, um, if we are able. But I also think we should be able to communicate clearly why we do believe in God. And I think the logical reasons that um, withstand heavy debates and argument would be more effective against um, those of the improper understanding than more of the emotional arguments. And emotional arguments kind of dominate our culture now. So it's kind of um, abrasive to, um, to ourselves too, for those who aren't used to debating like that. Um, anyway, I talked a lot about that. <laughs> I didn't necessarily mean to. Uh, the next thing about this verse that I wanted to talk about is that we should take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This is interesting to me. And I was kind of meditating on this and thinking, like, what's what's the message behind this? Obviously, Paul is telling us that we should take every thought captive. And I think what he means by that is saying, we should think, we should look at every one of our thoughts and say, and we shouldn't just let our thoughts do whatever they want to do. I think Paul's talking about saying when we're acknowledging a thought, and even we should we should like operate from a plate, uh, not a plate, a place of uh, looking at our thoughts constantly, saying, "If I'm thinking this, why do I think this? Is it honoring Christ? Is it not honoring Christ? Where is it coming from? What is it trying to say? Is it aligning with what the Lord tells me, or is it contrary?" And so and I think in a sense, he's talking about uh, captive is an interesting word to use, but I think he's talking about being intentional with every thought and analyzing it, taking every thought, analyzing it, taking it captive and submitting it to Christ, letting it be captive to Christ so that the thoughts that are um, rebellious to Christ can be filtered out and that we can focus on the ones that glorify Christ, that uh honor Christ, that are in alignment with Christ's word. Um, but kind of extending that idea, I think we should be doing this about all sorts of things in our life. Instead of just thoughts, instead of just our thinking, although I think this is super, super important. So I think how we think and what we believe influence our character a lot. Um, but with it, I think we should also look at our actions. I think we should look at our actions. And maybe I'm just saying this because I'm a very action-oriented person. But I think we should look at our actions and say, like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this behavior? Um, what's the purpose behind this behavior? Is this behavior rebellious or is this honoring of Christ and what he's done for me? Um, it's just being super intentional about our lifestyle, our thoughts, um, our emotions, to take our emotions captive too. Even if it's just to submit them to the Lord and say, I don't know what to do with this. But we can also um, take captive our emotions and say, why am I feeling this way? Does it come from believing a deceit, a, a lie, a distortion of truth, and we can help have more awareness um, in that way. And of course, it's all by the it's all by the grace of God. Um, but I think this is something very deliberate and intentional that Paul was wanting to uh, communicate to the church at Corinth. Um, uh, so I wanted to address that first, um, very very much. And he also talked about. 
boasting, which is interesting, but I think he's kind of responding to some criticism he's been facing about his character appearing to be different in words versus in character. And really he's trying to say, like what I'm saying is kind of the same. It's just by the presentation. Like one is words with strong diction and one is just uh, speech by my kind of humble and meek character. From what I understand, Paul wasn't necessarily a super impressive speaker. He wasn't a preacher that was just astounding with how he moved the crowd. He relied a lot on the truth of the words he was talking about. And, and more on the on the argument side of the logic, the reason. Uh, and that and that kind of comes through in this chapter a little bit. But I also think that's encouraging to us who are kind of nervous to talk. It's like, I myself am quite a shy person. And so the idea of challenging people in all of these ways can be kind of daunting to me. And I haven't necessarily um, done very well at that, but that's why we're sitting down and looking at this now. Um, but it's an encouragement. If Paul, if Paul the Apostle, this is an apostle we're talking about, is going out and um, changing communities, um, huge uh, groups of people, um, with this kind of awkward speech, this speech that isn't very impressive, and just relying on uh, the truth of what he's saying and signs and wonders, then I think we as Christians now, no matter how shy, um, or assertive we are, I think we can rely on that as well. I think even if we don't trust our speaking abilities, I think we can trust God and the Holy Spirit and how he works. Um, and he can use whatever efforts we make in this direction, even if we're not necessarily an impressive speaker. I think that's a big encouragement for a lot of us. Um, and he also talks about humbleness, which I also think is very important as servants of Christ, that we should be humble, that we shouldn't take pride in what we're doing, but we should take, we should take pride, um, in the gospel message, not of ourselves, but of Christ. I think we should be, um, I think if we take pride in anything, it should be Christ. It shouldn't be our own actions. It shouldn't be our own looks. It shouldn't be our own behaviors, our own thoughts, um, all of these things are things expected of a servant of the one true God. Um, and yet we fall short in so many ways. But that's why we need grace. Um, but it's not something we can uh, boast about or have pride about. And Paul kind of talks about that too. Okay, I think I want to finish up with uh, chapter 10. Um yeah, there's another quote in here that's really good. I might come back to it when we're talking about the warfare section of this episode. Um, but for now, I want to move to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. And I'm just going to go ahead and read it here. It says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fight, uh fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith which with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god so i wanted to add this um, couple of verses in because I think it helps with what we're talking about today with taking thoughts captive or even refuting arguments and the, the such, right? Um, 
I don't remember how many there is. One, two, three, four, five, six. So there's six uh, pieces of the armor of God. There are five pieces of the armor and the sword. And we have the blessed, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. So this is saying, we have been imputed righteousness from on high by the actions of Jesus Christ, by what he did on the cross. Um, and that's something we can um, keep close to our chest, close to our heart, metaphorically speaking, uh, as a breastplate. And that can help uh, just be a significant part of our armor, keeping that in mind. And then shoes of readiness. And this is saying we should be ready to uh, do the work God's given us, just like what Paul's talking about. We should be ready to take captive our thoughts, our emotions, our our, our mind. We should be ready to defend um, Christ and the argument for Christ and the case for Christ. Uh, after that is the shield of faith. Uh, it says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It's part of the reason I wanted to talk about this. And faith is having like trust and hope in God. So it is saying, with faith, um, Paul makes the claim that it can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one, all of the temptation of the evil one, if we hold firmly to the shield of faith. If we hold to it firmly and we don't back down and we always keep it ahead of us, that faith will protect us from a lot of the um, works of the evil one or the works of our flesh. Uh, after the shield of faith, we have the helmet of salvation, which of course is the helmet because we think about the head as being a very important part. It has our brain, it helps us think, and all these other things. It says the helmet of salvation. So they're saying, um, as children of God, we can, we have um, the most important part of our body fully protected by salvation. And that's kind of um, analogical with what Christ talked about. Christ talks about he's the head of the church, the most important part of the church. Um, and so it kind of coincides with this being the helmet of salvation. And lastly, it says the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he's saying all these things are defensive things, but the one offensive thing we have is the sword of the spirit. And this is the word of God. And I think this is what Paul does really, really, really well, is that he trusts the word of God. He trusts that it is the truth. He trusts that God is backing it up. He trusts that the Holy Spirit moves with the word. Um, and, and with with that, with that, and with that trust and faith, right? With that that shield of faith, Paul goes out on the offensive with the word of God, and he's successful. He's immensely successful, um, preaching to Gentiles, people who who may not even be aware of the Jewish religion, or if they are, are not very aware. Like these are people who believe completely different things. Maybe they're polytheistic. Maybe they're I don't know. Um, uh, I was reading the Acts of the Apostles. Some of them believed in. Athena, I think, no, 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 it wasn't Athena, it was Artemis. There was a whole rant about Artemis in the, in the, in the theater. I mean, like, uh, these are people who believe, who don't, aren't just unbelievers, believe wildly completely different things. And Paul comes out here with the helmet of salvation and the armor of God and the sword of the spirit, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts between soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And so it's sharp, and Paul trusts the sharp. It's sharp, and he steps, and he's ready, and he's bold, and he accomplishes a lot with that. I think that can really help model our behaviors as uh, servants of God. Um, 
And I think we also need to be ready to wield the sword because all of these other things are defensive. And so if we stand in them, we will be protected from the world. We will be protected from temptation um, and the evil one and our own and death of our flesh and our sin, right? Um, but that's not changing the lives of the people around us. And the one thing that is depicted as armor of God that can do that, that can go on the offensive, is the word of God. I think as believers, that's important. That means we need to know the word of God and we need to be ready to share it and back it up. Um, and God will be with us as we do that. And so I thought that was, that was a really good uh, section in Ephesians to kind of bolster what we're talking about here in Second Corinthians. Um, yeah, so kind of just summarizing, I think we should kind of reflect and lay open ourselves and, and take captive um, our thoughts, our mind, our emotions and say, uh, Christ, is this honoring you? Is this obeying you or is this not? Um, and this does take effort on our part. And I really was just listening to a sermon this morning talking about how sometimes we think of self-control as being something outside of our effort, something that only God does. Um, but really, I think it's kind of a, uh, God kind of calls us to team up with him on this. He says, you, you make the effort. You just put in the effort. He says, I won't give you temptation beyond what you can handle. You make the effort to, to walk on the path I've given you, and I'll back you up. I'll defend you. I'll make you, I'll make you successful. So it's kind of a teamship, uh, teamship partnership. He asks us to step into this. He asks us to put effort into it. But we have to know that our effort only succeeds. It only bears fruit by the grace and mercy of God, by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Um, I think that's very important. Because there, there is effort in it, but it's not just self-effort. We put in effort, and then God finishes the work. He He does the hard part um, and actually makes it bear fruit. He just calls us to put in a little bit of effort in this. Um, but a lot of times we're lazy, myself included, and we don't want to do that. Um, but we're called to take the effort. Um, just like Paul's talking about, he seems very intentional and deliberate about doing these things. It seems to be an effort to do these things. And so I, I think that's something we should put an effort towards, too. It also kind of goes hand in hand with sanctification, um, taking thoughts captive and taking ourselves captive to Christ, um, submitting ourselves to the the bondage of Christ, which makes us free, kind of backwards, but it's how it works. Um, but I think this has developed a lot with sanctification, with going through experiences, um, and God has the right stuff for each of us to um, help develop these things in our lives. But we should be willing to put the effort forth on our part as well. And it, and it definitely takes time and patience. Um, but I wanted to give this a little encouragement. Yet, that's the key word. Yet, we can start to pursue this now. Well, I think we can pursue these things that Paul talks about now. I don't think it's something we have to wait on. Um, I think we should understand the gospel and under, have an understanding of these things before we step out. And again, I think we should have equipped ourselves with the armor of God first before we step out. Um, to be as shrewd as snakes and as peaceful as doves, uh, or as innocent as doves. I think that's how it goes. So I think we should be properly equipped. And that's what I wanted to read Ephesians chapter 6, the, the verses there. Um, but I think those of us who have who have that, who have the gospel message, have this basic understanding, I think we should start pursuing this now. And um, if we start putting the effort now, it's not always going to be fruitful. It's not always going to be perfect. Um, but at some point, Paul had to decide and go out 
and preach to the Gentiles. That was something he had to make a decision about. Maybe the decision was influenced by the Holy Spirit, and I'm sure it was, but he still had to put the step in. He still had to still put in the effort. Um, he had to go out and do it because um, he was God's instrument. We are God's instrument as well. He has a purpose for all of us, but we're an instrument, so he's using us. But the instrument also has to do its end of the, end of the bargain. It's like a sword. God is wielding us as a sword, but if we're not sharp, if we're not sharp and ready for combat, then we're not going to be very effective. Um, but God will use us. He will use everything for his good and his purpose. Um, so I think this is something we should start pursuing with the Lord's help and guidance right now. Um, with that, I think I have, I think I talked um, enough about the servitude part, taking every thought captive, being really intentional and self-controlled um, with ourselves, with our heart, our mind, and our actions. So I kind of want to move into the warfare aspect of this. Um, more specifically, I want to talk about another way Satan will try to mess us up, will try to throw us off, um, try to throw us off the path. And I want to read uh, two verses or one and a half verses from Luke chapter four. It's like the second half of nine to verse 10. It says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. So this is when um, Jesus is being tempted in the desert. He goes the in the desert 40 days, 40 nights, right? And Satan is actively tempting him, trying to, get him to worship him, um, to serve him instead of to serve God. Now, of course, Jesus Christ is not given. Um, and I think how he rebukes uh, the Satan is also very important. It goes back to the word of God. He used scripture. Um, um, he uses understanding scripture, even as Satan was trying to use scripture against him. So having an understanding of the scripture backed up by the Holy Spirit is effective against Satan even if he tries to use scripture back at us. Um, anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. I wanted to focus on how Satan tries to tempt Jesus here. And it's very interesting. And I think this is something that he does to us or we do to ourselves all of the time and maybe in really subtle and unconscious ways, but it's very destructive. I find it, I find it very helpful acknowledging um, what Satan does here. And he says, if you are the son of God, so he's he's kind of he's kind of challenging Jesus's identity. He's saying, "If you say you are truly the Son of God, then do this." He says, "Because if you are, you should be able to do this. This should happen, right?" And so he's challenging Jesus's identity in this moment by calling for an action. Now, that should be one red flag. <laughs> really, there should be two red flags. One, he's challenging our identity. Um, and with that, he's challenging our identity by connecting it to an action. And now if Satan is calling us to an action, one, I don't think we should do it. <laughs> I think that's very plain to us. If he's calling us to an action, he definitely has a use for that. Um, but what he does is he ties identity with an action. He says, if you, tr if you truly are this, then do this. Or why didn't you do this? Or blank. And so it's kind of this structure of connecting an action with an identity. 
Um, and Satan does this here. I'm sure he does it in other parts of the Bible. I don't have them written down. But I also want to talk about, I think it was in Matthew. Uh, it's probably in a lot of the Gospels. Um, the Pharisees also did this at one time. He, The Pharisees started to demand Jesus to do a sign and wonder. To prove that he was truly the Son of God, even though he's already done so many signs and wonders. Um, and Jesus Christ heavily rebuked him for that. He said only an, an evil, adulterous generation would demand a sign from God. Um, and so this is definitely something to be wary of for ourselves and with our understanding of what Satan is trying to do to Jesus. And I think why this is so dangerous and how Satan gets away with this is because it partially makes sense. It does make sense that if we are children of God, um, that we should live holy, godly lives. It makes sense that if Jesus is the Son of God, he could just jump himself. Uh, he could jump off the cliff. He says, throw yourself down there. And that the angels would protect him. It makes sense. But what we have to understand, and this is what Jesus did understand, is that if we are truly secure in our identity, we shouldn't have to go out of our way to prove it. And that sounds weird. And I think there is times where we should have proof for our identity, whether it's by uh, knowledge or like the sign and wonders with follow the apostles. So it definitely helped bolster them and, and give them credibility. But those, those were things that God blessed them with. God worked through them in that way. It was by the Holy Spirit. But here, it's a challenge. And it's putting our identity in question. I think with God, these proofs, you could say, come out of a place of full assurance in him. It comes out of a place of trust. And so it's not, uh, these. this proof isn't coming out of a place of insecurity. And I think that's the difference. And that's what Satan does. Is he, uh, he can help, he can make us insecure, or we can already be insecure. A lot of times that's the case. We can already be insecure and he'll start planting little seeds of thoughts. Uh, it's like it's like saying, if you are truly a Christian, if you're truly a Christian, why did you sin? Or uh, why did you have sex with somebody when you weren't supposed to? Or why are you drinking? Or why are you smoking? Or why did you waste the whole day watching YouTube on your phone? And so it's this thing of like, it's again, it's a tie to our identity to our actions. Or it's saying, oh, if you truly were a Christian, you would be... Um, going out, sleeping in a van, uh, spreading the word everywhere. And that might not be a bad thing. We might be called to do that. But what Satan is doing is he's attaching our identity to a specific action or to the lack of a specific action. And I think that's dangerous because our identity comes from the grace of God. And so we already know for truly, like, I was about to say what, say, <laughs> I about to say what uh, this, the model of the temptation was. What I am trying to say, though, as as strong Christians, I think we should have a firm understanding of our identity being separate from our actions. I think we should. Maybe this is part of the reason God designed it this way. We know that we are Christians, that we are sons of God or daughters of God, um, servants of Christ, not by what we've done. It's, it's not our salvation isn't by works. Our position isn't by works. None of it has to do with what we've done or what we will do in the future. It all goes back to the grace of God. And I think that's how we counter this. If we if we catch ourselves saying this to ourselves, or other people saying it to us, or Satan, or, or any um, evil influence, 
saying, if you are truly this, then do this. Or why did you do that? Or why did you doubt? Or why did you think that? And we have to remind ourselves as Christians that we are Christians by the grace of God, not by ourselves. It's not from us. It's from Christ. It's by the grace of Christ. It's by the grace of God. And by holding on to that, we can say, uh, yeah, I did sin. I did drink. Or I did have sex with that person I wasn't supposed to. Whatever the situation is, we can say, yes, I did do that. And I repent. I don't want to do that anymore. But we don't have to doubt our Christianity. We don't have to doubt um, our position with Christ, with God, because of what Christ has done. He's separated us from the punishment, from the wrath of God by his works, by his work on the cross. And that's the only reason why we can be children of God. That's the only reason why we're a servant of God. And so if we're being challenged in that way, if if our identity is being challenged, we can just combat and say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm sinful. I'm evil sometimes. I'm not perfect. But that's the point. God saved me by his grace because it pleased him, because he loves us. Um, it's by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's not by it's not it's not by my works. It's not by my actions. I think that's the, I think that's a really good way of combating um, this kind of uh, temptation or challenge. Um, and it's very very sneaky. I've I've been I was meditating on this a little bit. I was thinking in high school this kind of stuff. I would say, I would think on all the time. I said. I'm really a Christian, and in reality, I wasn't really a Christian then. I thought I was, but I, I really wasn't. I didn't have a proper understanding of the gospel. But I would think, if I was really a Christian, why am I living like this? Or, if I'm really a good person, why do I feel bad about this? Or, if I'm really a good student, um, why do I feel this way? And all of these other things. It's very self-destructive. Um, and Satan will use the same thing. Or, we'll do it to ourselves. And he'll just feed it. He'll give us more things to think about. And so I think, again, part of combating this is taking every thought captive, saying, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? And addressing it by the truth of Jesus Christ. Um, that's, def- that's definitely how we combat this. Anyway, with that in mind, um, I thought these two really, really went well together. I, I hope it makes sense for you guys. I hope I explained it well enough. So I think this is a really important one, um, and I hope I hope it came across. Um, but anyway, I wanted to finish off with some, uh, or kind of wrap up here with some action items um, for all of us to take. The first being, as I would ask, um, or I would I would practice reflecting and meditating on ourselves. Um, sitting down, maybe it's in prayer and saying, God, like, show me, show me what I've done that's glorifying to you and show me what I've done that's not glorifying to you. And kind of, uh, again, taking our thoughts, actually, uh, mess that up, taking our thoughts captive and our emotions captive and intentionally sitting down and meditate on that and and sitting down and really analyzing our state and what we're believing and what we're thinking and how we're living a life and try to analyze and break it down on why um, it's like that. Again, with scripture, go right back to scripture. You think something you're like, "Mm, reminds me of this, go and read it. And really just, uh, I pray that we would all just reflect and meditate on this and practice that skill. Um, is it seems very fruitful, and it's what, uh, or I guess I'm inferring, but I'm sure Paul would do the same. 
and he does. He kind of reflects on his meekness and saying, well, but is this the same? Is it the same truth? It's the truth. Uh, my words are the same. Uh, I also, I, w- I would also encourage us, um, a good action for us to take is to ask the Lord to help sanctify us and to ask Christ to take us captive. And I think some of us are hesitant about this. I, I, I know I have been uh, lately. I've been hesitant to completely, and I won't ever be able to completely submit, uh, maybe in heaven, but I've been struggling to submit certain times of the day or certain behaviors or certain um thoughts or, or or all or some sometimes i struggle to submit my feelings and i'm not letting christ take them captive i'm not letting it be strongly held in christ and i think that um discourages the development of good fruit in my life um, because i'm not letting christ cover i'm not letting christ handle it and so the idea of it sounds um restrictive to us but it's truly the only way to be free um and so i would pray that we would ask the Lord to help us sanct- to help us to be sanctified and to help us um, be captive in him and uh, to help our minds, our thoughts, our emotions um, to be captive in Christ. I also call us to learn how to obey the Lord in spite of our feelings, fears, and thoughts and whatnot. And that's something I've really been chewing on. And so I'm saying, I've been thinking, I've been kind of connecting whether I should do something based on how I feel about it. And that's very dangerous. It's like, I mean, with some decisions, maybe that's okay. It's like, well, I don't want to eat shrimp, so I don't have to eat shrimp. But when it comes to obeying the Lord, I don't think we should let our feelings get in the way. And and I, and I, I I I can see that we should submit our feelings to the Lord. Like we should submit all these things to the Lord. And that's true for everything in our life. Um, we should take it to God in prayer. But I also think, even if we are fearful, even if we have feelings against something, if it's part of the truth Jesus Christ tells us, that the Lord tells us, and He calls us to obey that, then I think we should learn how to obey it, even if we don't feel like it, even if we're fearful. I mean, that takes time, and that takes a lot of reliance on God. Um, a lot. And I know where none of us are perfect about it. Myself, very much. I'm very, very much uh, far from perfect on this. Um, but I think this is something we should try to take steps towards. Um, is separating our behaviors from our actions. Oh, that's not what I meant. Our actions from our emotions saying, I will do this even or in despite me feeling this way. Um, yeah. I also would call us to uh, again, maybe this is re- repetitive, analyze our thoughts and break them down to see where they came from, why we're thinking these things, um, whether we believe them or not. Um, but also, if it's kind of a claim, if it's structured as a claim in our, in our mind, like how Satan tried to tempt, uh, tempt Jesus, saying, well, if you are a Christian, you should be able to do this. That's kind of a claim. Um, and now he kind of, he makes it conditional. He says, if you are the son of God, but it's still a claim. It's still provocative. And so if we're thinking these claims, I would call us to analyze and say, um, are they false claims? Are they distorted? Are they deceitful claims? Or if they're claims that are truthful, good and Christ honoring. Um, I think it's very important because a lot of times if we don't 
take these claims captive, we don't take these thoughts captives, then we can start to believe them. And then that affects our life. That affects our relationship with God. That affects our actions. Um, it's very pivotal. All goes back to what Paul tells us. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's for sure. Uh, with that, uh, I want to pray us out. And then I have a couple of uh, announcements, I guess. Lord, thank you for this time together. I pray that uh, you would just continue to touch my heart and every, the hearts of everyone listening. That you would continue to sanctify us, continue to lay us open, um, continue to lead us and guide us and show us uh, where we're not um, being captive in you, where we're not we're not um, we're not being captivated by you, Lord. Um, our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would help us submit those to you, Lord. And you would help us trust the truth you tell us with all of our hearts and minds. That you would help us be ready. Um, to defend these things, to uh, advance in these things, to be assertive with other people, yet gentle about the truth you give us for their souls, for the sake of their souls. Lord, we're not doing this for our own salvation, um, because by the armor of God, we know that we have already been guaranteed, we have already been fully defended um, by what you have done, Lord. But for the sake of other people, I pray that you would give us a burden of lost souls, Lord, that you would put that burden on us and that conviction on us to remind us that even though we are set free as servants of God, as children of God, there's so many people in the world that are not. Um, and just remind us of that, Lord, and help us to be ready with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Word of God, um, to go out and advance in the world, um, to build your kingdom, um, to fight the good fight, um, for your sake and for the sake of the gospel, Lord. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, Lord, um, for equipping us. Um, you equip us with your things, Lord, not our things. Um, your truth, um, your promises, your uh, emotions, Lord, your character. You you put it on us, Lord. Um, yes, I pray that we would become less, Lord, and that you would become greater in us, Jesus Christ. Um, may you be more, may we be less, as John the Baptist would say. Um, We pray all of this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Um, Okay, if if you guys want to tap out here, that's cool. But I also wanted to talk about a little bit things. Um, One, I want to start uh, making some episodes talking about convictions. I've been kind of sitting down today, and I've been thinking that if I'm going to be sitting here um, teaching you guys and being – I don't know, directing this conversation or whatever it is, I think I should go ahead and be transparent with you guys about ways that I have fallen short. So I want to start up, um, and I think there'll be little episodes, but I want to do little episodes every here and then um, talking about ways I feel like I've fallen short and just public repent of that. I think uh, it's good for us to make a practice of repenting to other people. Uh, Well, not repenting to other people, but... um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Confessing our faults, confessing our sins um, publicly, especially when we're in a position of servitude, when we're being on the offensive or we're trying to be on the offensive um, in this case. So I want to start that. Uh, that's my first announcement. Second announcement is um, here soon. I should uh, I should have a new microphone coming in. 
that should help the sound quality a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's kind of um, home strung right now, <laughs> kind of <laughs> cheap audio right now. It doesn't sound great, I know. Um, but I plan to have a new microphone come in and it, hopefully it should sound um, a lot better than the audio right now. Um, I, I, I would also encourage you guys that if you would like to share this with anybody, um, please feel free. I also have, um, I'll try to put it in the description of like this episode, um, but I have an email address. If you want to ask me any questions or you want to ask me to talk about something, um, I would love to do that. I want to be here to help you guys. So whatever you guys need, um, I want to be here and try to find answers for you guys. Um, so I don't know. Just want to announce that. And I'll try to get an episode about like uh, the first episode on convictions out tomorrow. Um, just talk about that and be vulnerable with you guys. I think that'll be fruitful for me. And hopefully it can be encouragement to you guys that um, we can, we're all in this together. We're all um, walking with God at our own paces, our own rhythms. But um, I don't know. I just want to encourage you guys in that way and be transparent. So, well, thank you for listening. Um, God bless you guys. I love you all. And I will see you soon for the conviction episode. And I'll also see you um, soon for day three of this series, um, Warfare and Servitude. So, all right. Bye, guys.